All right, good morning. Glad that every one of you are here with us this morning. Thank you again, worship team, for leading us in worship. Uh, it's really great having the drums again. I'm ready for that. Uh, and also, thank you so much, Steve, for uh, just reminding us of uh, uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday and just drawing us back to that and uh, reminding us, though, that the real victory is in Jesus Christ. And also, I... I <clears throat> really appreciated the prayer that uh, is as frustrating as, as abortion is and, and, and many of the other things that we face in this life, the real answer is prayer. And that's the only way we're going to make any kind of headway against these kinds of things. And so thank you so much for leading us in that prayer. Um, also, uh, I kind of switch gears a little bit, but uh, it's kind of fortuitous uh, timing. I don't think it's any mistake, but uh, that... Uh, our, our, our lesson this morning is about uh, missions, is about Jesus Christ when he sends his apostles out uh, or his disciples out to teach and to heal. And uh, we have an opportunity here at our church uh, with missions, and I, I want to bring your attention to that. Uh, uh, this Wednesday night at 6.30, we're holding an open house for our missions committee. Uh, over the last several years, we've lost several really important folks. They've, they've moved out of town and are no longer part of our mission team, and so we're pretty shorthanded. And our mission team, which the focus is cross-cultural evangelism, trying to reach the lost world with the, the, the Word of God, uh, we have about 20% or we, we get about 20% of the budget here at uh, MCC. So we're really blessed to do some great things, but it's a lot of work and we need some help. And um, it's not just about going overseas. I mean, we've got a lot of other jobs that don't require you to uh, travel overseas if that's not your cup of tea. In fact, we have activities going on right here in Albuquerque uh, that are cross-cultural. We work with ISI at the university, with uh, international students. We work with immigrant children in, in the international district, with Juntos. So there are all kinds of opportunities. We also need things like help with communications and, and liaison with our, our, our missionaries. So there's a lot of things that we need some help with. And so uh, we'd like if, if you have any, even an inkling of interest in uh, uh, missions, come check us out. See what we're about. Uh, see where some of the opportunities are. See if, if God's calling you to a fit with that. Uh, it's not going to be any big pressure. And if it doesn't work out, we understand. But Give us a try. Uh, check us out. Uh, again, that's on Wednesday, this Wednesday night at 6.30, back in the conference room uh, across the way there. So please be thinking about that. And as I mentioned, uh, again, kind of fortuitous that our, our, our lesson, uh, as we continue our, our study through the, uh, the book of, of uh, Luke, Luke chapter 9, if you want to start turning there, is about missions, about Jesus Christ and his commissioning of the, of the disciples. And uh, kind of just as an introduction to where we stand today with missions broadly, uh, about 30%, 33% of the world population identifies as Christian. It's the largest single uh, religious group in the world. About 2.3 billion people identify as Christians. That doesn't mean they're practicing Christians. Uh, it's just that for lack of anything else, they would identify themselves as Christian or in a, a country where Christianity is, is very popular. The, uh, another 38% live in areas 
uh, that the gospel has reached. There's churches, there's, there's uh, Bibles in their language, etc., yet they follow other faiths. They're, you know, they don't accept Christianity. But the really sad part is that almost 29% of the world uh, live in places where there's no access to the Bible. There's no access to Christian churches. Uh, many people have never heard the gospel at all in their life. Many of the, the Muslim areas of the world, 29% live with really almost no opportunity, no access to the gospel. And uh, the really sad part of it all is that uh, it's estimated that of the practicing Christians, only about 3% of us ever share our faith with anybody. And of those, one out of about every 1,800 Christians uh, are, are work in cross-cultural missions, about 400,000 people to reach, what, four or five billion people out there that don't know Christ. Well, actually, there's more than that because not all the, the Christians, uh, identified Christians, are really practicing Christians. And really what's surprising of that of that 400,000, about 72% are actually ministering to the Christianized world. The other 25% uh, are working with the reached world where there's Bibles and churches and other things, but there's other faiths that these people follow, leaving only 3% to pursue those in unchurched world or the unreached world where there's no Bibles. Uh, and even the saddest part of all this is giving. Only about 8% of all Christian giving goes to missions, about $45 billion, which is, you know, a nice chunk of change. But again, the problem, the, the, the gap that we see here, 80%, 87% of this money, though, goes to missions in the Christianized world, about 12% to that reached part of the world, but that is unbelieving, and only 1% to the unreached world. That's a tiny amount of money. In fact, Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than we spend on reaching the unreached world. So the point of all of this is there's a big need out there. And in fact, we know that, right? I mean, we know just interacting with our neighbors and at work and, and in the city and all the things that we do, how many unreached people, well, I shouldn't say unreached, how many unbelievers there are that we run into and just the extreme need that's all around us, even in our own families, right? But what about the unreached world that never get to hear the gospel? They don't even have a Bible in their language. And, you know, if I were to take this on all myself, right, how are we going to meet this gap? How are we going to close this gap? If I took that on all myself, you know what I'd have to do? I'd have to uh, uh, lead a 1,000 people to the Lord every day for 20,000 years. Probably not going to happen, right? Kind of intentable uh, 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 effort there. But... If I were just to make one disciple every year, lead one person to Christ every year, and teach them how to lead one person to Christ, and they do that, guess how long it would take for me to reach the whole, or us to reach the whole world? 34 years. That's all. 
34 years. And so Christ, he understood this power of math, right? He understood this. And in fact, he also understood how important it was to prepare his disciples for the mission they had in front of them to be able to keep the kingdom alive and to make it thrive and expand after he left. And so he started right off, and that's what we're going to study this morning, is Jesus preparing his disciples, commissioning them to go out and spread the word uh, and, and to heal others. And uh, this morning, by us taking a look at this, this, uh, this story, is uh, we'll see what Jesus' plan was for his disciples and for spreading the word. We'll see how he equips us today to do this work that he has planned for us and what his expectations are for each of us. So if you would, go ahead and start uh, turning uh, to Luke 9. That's where we'll be this morning, 1 through 11. But first, let's pray. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord in heaven, uh, thank you so much for this day. Again, always, Lord, for the opportunity to come together and to worship you together. What a, what a beautiful thing. Lord, we just pray your continued hand on uh, the sanctity of life movement, Lord, and uh, that you would be with those, you, you would be with those mothers who have, uh, who are struggling with making decisions, those mothers who have made decisions, Lord, and uh, all of those that are touched by these kinds of decisions, Lord, that you'd be with our government and the decisions that they have to make, Lord, and uh, Lord, uh, that your will would be done in all of this, Lord. Also, Lord, this morning we pray that you would just open this word to us and help us to see where you would be calling us, Lord, how just like the disciples, we are called to take your word out uh, beyond the walls of this church and let others know about you, Lord. Help us, help equip us and prepare us and guide us in that journey, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, if you would. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. And he set them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And, whoever, and whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, was, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others one of the, uh, the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned of it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. All right. So we see here in, in this, this, this scripture that we see Jesus commissioning his disciples to go out and do basically what he had seen uh, or what they had seen Jesus doing all along, to go out and preach the gospel and to heal. And be but before Jesus sends them out, what does he do? He gives them four preparatory steps, if you will, to prepare them uh, for this mission ahead of them. And what's the first step Jesus uh, takes? Well, 
He says, and he called the 12 together. For, so for that first step, he's calling them, right? And this call's a little different. Uh, several months ago, I guess, Jesus came with a different call to each of the disciples, right? He went out and called them to follow him, to come and be fishers of men, to leave behind their work, to leave behind their families and friends and everything that they knew and were comfortable about and to follow him. So that was the first calling. But now Jesus is making a different calling to them, right? Is, is, is now calling them to put their faith into action, to actually to engage in what they've heard and what they've learned and to put it into action. He's calling them to be his ambassador, his emissary, right? Uh, to, to go out and make known everything that they've been learning to those in the surrounding villages, to be his advocate, to go and be transformed from a follower to an advocate. And this calling is no different for us today, right? Uh, at some point in our life, you know, we have to start where the disciples did. Jesus has to call us, has to call us to make him our Lord and Savior. We have to make that first commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Before we can take the next step. But once we've made that choice to follow Jesus Christ, once we've made that commitment, he's going to call us to other things, right? He's going to call us out and to put our faith in action, just like he's calling the disciples to put their faith in action. And in fact, God has a plan for all of us. He has, uh, you know, this is no accident, but he has plans for each and every one of us, as we read in Ephesians 2.10, that... Uh, <clears throat> For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, we're created in a particular way for his particular plan for us to walk in, to follow that path that he has made us specially for. So he has a plan. He has a calling for us to put our faith into action. And uh, how do we know? How do we know what that calling of our faith to put us put our faith in action what does that look like how do we know when we're called well you know it's it's that nudging of our conscience to do something or maybe it's recognizing that doors of opportunity are being opened or closed it could be an encouragement from another fellow christian that's highly trusted or more importantly god speaking directly through us through his word so just don't be mistaken. We're all being called. We're all being called to put our faith into action. We're being called because he has a plan. He created us in a special way. We are his workmanship to do special work for him. What is he calling each of us to do? So after he calls, what does he do? We see he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure disease. So it's important to note that Jesus doesn't just call us to do things, but he also equips us to be able to do the mission that he's laid out for us. He, he gives us what we need to be able to accomplish what he calls us to do. In this case, he gave them power and authority. So here he gives the tools to uh, both cast out demons and to heal diseases. So these are two very different things, two very different capabilities that Jesus is giving them to work with. And why do you think he chose these two <coughs> in particular? Why 
casting out diseases and, and curing the sick. Or, I'm sorry, casting out demons and curing the sick. Well, I mean, where did the people have to go in this day and time? They had nowhere to go if they were sick, especially if they had demons. How were they to be cured? They had, I mean, they were helpless. And so Jesus was giving them the power over where the greatest needs were to help them where the greatest need was. And can you imagine, not only did he give them the power, but he also gave them the authority, right? And so, you know, how sobering that is to think about being put under Jesus' authority. That this power was not just to be used in any particular way. Rather, it was to further Jesus' kingdom. You are under his authority when you're doing this, when you're speaking, you're speaking under his authority. And that puts a lot of weight on what they were doing and likewise on what, what we're called to do, right? To be put under that kind of authority. But um, what about us? Are we equipped in the same way? Does Jesus just call us and give us a mission and then does not equip us? No, in fact, in, in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, we're told we're equipped. Uh, let's see here. My fingers will work. One more. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for all the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he equips us for building up the body. And whatever need, what, whatever walk we're in, he equips us. And, you know, I stop and think about myself, and I recognize, you know, God has equipped me in a lot of different ways. One of the coolest ways here recently was uh, just a few weeks ago, after 40-something years of working with Penny's dad, uh, trying to lead him to Christ, uh, Jesus, or God, equipped us with just the right words at just the right time, just the right day. Uh, he finally accepted the word of Christ. What an incredible blessing that was that he gave us. Yes, absolutely, it was. It, is, it was nothing short of a miracle, but when we needed it, he came through with just exactly what he needed, or what uh, Penny's dad needed. He's also equipped uh, me through people like Frank and other friends and elders and others who have invested in me, helping to teach me to how to teach the Word, how to uh, study the Word, how to preach. So we have friends investing in us. Um, I also believe God equipped me through my education, right? As a hydrologist, I've been able to use my training in Peru and, and, and Africa and other places to help people uh, who don't have water to get them fresh water and also to bring the gospel along with that. And then also, uh, you know, in, in many other ways he equips us, but with just money, resources, time. He invests these things in us, equips us so that we can go out and serve him. So Jesus equips those that he calls, and he's equipped you as well in many in different ways, that's what's cool, in different ways to reach different people. So once he calls and equips, what else does he do? Uh, so after he equips them, what does he do? He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And so I guess the first thing to note about this sending is to what? He sends them where? Sends them out. Okay, and I think this is significant, this little word out is significant in that, 
you know, think about, you know, they're pretty comfortable right now as followers. They're in with a, you know, a tight group of like-minded people, you know, 11 or 12 of them or, you know, plus a few 80 or others. But, you know, they're all kind of, you know, in this tight community with Jesus, you know. That, that had to be great, right? But Jesus is kind of kicking them out of the, the nest. You know, you need to, to go out and try out your wings. You need to leave the safety of the, the, the nest and, 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 and try out what I've been teaching you to do. And also, there's another reason. It, you know, Jesus wasn't just being mean and kind of pushing them out of, 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 the, of, of the nest. And, you know, it wasn't just that he wanted to train them. But where is the need? The need's not in the nest. The need is out there. And so Jesus was sending them to where the need was. The other uh, significant thing about this, this commissioning, this sending, is uh, how, you know, what they're commissioned to do, to preach and to heal. There's this twofold nature, right? This word and deed. Jesus is encouraging them to minister both to the spiritual and the physical needs of, of those he's sending them to. To preach the kingdom of God meant the gospel. Uh, to teach exactly what they've been hearing all along as they've spent time following Jesus. Uh, to tell that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. This is who we've been waiting for. And that the kingdom belongs to those who will repent and will follow and make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. It's the gospel. That's what they were sent to spread. But they also attended to the physical needs. And again, like we were saying, to heal the sick, to cast out the demons. These were the very things that, 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 that those outside really needed. That was the thing they had nowhere to turn to. And Jesus was meeting this very basic need of health. Uh, both physical and mental health, spiritual health in that sense, by casting out the demons and healing them, meeting their very most basic needs. <clears throat> and we see this same basic trend or this same basic approach of meeting both word and deed, uh, you know, in our own church, corporately, when we're taking the message out. We see that here locally, right? As we work with Shine. We're working, trying to make the teachers lives a little better so we can share the gospel. We, we do wood ministry so we can help those in need and get to know them. We help with uh, uh, CareNet, as we talked about, to be there for when women uh, have uh, you know, unplanned pregnancies. We're there to help them, but also to share the gospel at the same time. And we do the same thing with our missions cross-culturally, right? We don't just bring the word. We do bring the word importantly. That's the most important thing, but we also help. In India, we support after-school programs. Bolivia, it's community building. Peru, water, UNM, we work with the international students, helping them get settled in a new culture. Uh, in Juntos, down in the international district, we do uh, mentoring and, 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 and uh, 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 tutoring and after-school programs with kids from uh, uh, immigrant families. And so, again, bringing this word and deed together. And, and in fact, my guess is we all do it naturally, right? Even with our own neighbors. You know, we keep kids or we invite them over for dinner or, uh, you know, uh, whatever it may be. We tend to reach out and get to know them and, and help out and, and be a hand before, you know, we have the opportunity to really to take the gospel to them. So this, this dual nature of going out, getting out from where we're comfortable 
and both word and deed meeting the physical and, and, and spiritual needs of those that, that we meet and care about. So, he's, we've seen him call, we've seen him equip, we've seen him send, and now what does he do? Uh, he instructs, and kind of interesting instructions that he takes before he sends him off, right? Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So what in the world is Jesus saying? I mean, it's not quite what I would have expected as my instruction before leaving the nest in this case. Um, I mean, is he saying, don't prepare at all, just, just go? No, I, I, I don't think that's the message. In fact, uh, I think he's saying something very different. Rather, I mean, because they're not going very far and they're not going for an extended period of time, Jesus is saying, travel light. You know, you don't need to take a lot of stuff. So that, that's part of the message that he's sending them. Also, uh, I think more importantly, he's also is considering, you know, who you're going out to and what they're going to see when you go out there, right? And so uh, you don't want to be sending the wrong signal. And so uh, according to the Talmud, uh, uh, you know, the religious writings of, 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 of the Jews back in the days, no one goes to the Temple Mount with staff and shoes or a girdle of money. The idea uh, was that when a man entered the temple, he must take it, make it clear that he had left everything which had to do with his trade and business, leaving all worldly matters behind. So the idea here is that, you know, when you go out to, to share the gospel, you know, you're saying a lot with just your presence and be cognitive of, of, of what you look like, of how you present yourself. And so here he's saying, present yourself as one of my uh, disciples and, you know, you don't need anything. And so that, you know, is, is what are they going to see when you come to them? Also, and most importantly, of course, then Jesus is also teaching them to depend on him, right? That Jesus will provide all their basic needs and you, you most of all need to depend on the Lord. He's going to take care of you. So, what is the takeaway from us? Again, are, are we not to prepare when we're to go out and, 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 and to bring the gospel, whether it's across the fence or across the ocean? No, again, of course not. But I think, you know, a few things to think about is that we don't have to wait until we have all the glitzy technology or, or very eloquent words to share. Rather, God's word is always sufficient. And our basic testimony, our story, is all that we need, and it's more than sufficient. Also, again, consider the culture, consider their past, their socioeconomic conditions, whatever it is, and, and how you present yourself, because it makes a big difference, right? People see and, and understand with their eyes, too, the message that you're bringing, and we need to be careful that uh, we understand who we're going to. Like with ISI, you know, we'll, we'll do meals down there for, for the students. And we're very careful to make sure that we always offer meals that will not offend certain religious groups or certain cultures. And so we want to make sure that they're comfortable and they understand that we care about them and we understand where they're coming from. So be careful with, uh, you know, how you present yourself with uh, the message. But again, ultimately the end of the day is, is that 
We want to depend on the Lord again. And that doesn't necessarily mean we don't go prepared, okay? And so how do we walk that, that, that line between being prepared or overly prepared versus not prepared and depending totally on the Lord, right? How do we work that? And I, I remember from a, a book uh, called Visioneering, uh, Andy Stanley, it's always stuck with me this, this idea that he had of it, whether it's a good thing or a God thing. And I think it really applies here in that, you know, a good thing is something that, you know, I want to do and I know how I can get it done, right? I know, you know, I have the money and I, I know who to talk to and I have the skills and I know how to go from here to here and accomplish whatever I feel called to do. That's a good thing. And that is good. And we need to be doing good things. But we want to be doing God things. And the God things are things that I can't do unless God shows up. And that's where, you know, I, I see a need and I want something to change and I feel God is calling me to help make that change. But I'm way over here and I have no way to know of how I get from here to affecting the change that I feel God's calling me to. I have just enough kind of to hang myself, right? I, I, I can plan the first step or two and I kind of know the first few people I need to talk to or engage in this. I know... The, the first few things I need to do to prepare myself, but then after that, I, I go off a cliff. I don't know what's out here. That's where God steps in, and that's where you know it's a God thing and not just a good thing. And I think that's the difference between preparation, which we do need, and depending fully on God. It's, it's that, you know, it's not overthinking the problem and thinking I have to have everything lined up before I step out on faith. That's where I think what Jesus is really calling his disciples to. I'm going to take care of it. I've got it covered. So depend on me. But then he also has this other uh, instruction. And whoever doesn't receive you, you go out of that city, shake off the dust from your feet uh, as a testimony against him. What in the world is, is that about? And I think here is Jesus is warning them in part not to take their response personally, right? that any time you take God's message out, you're going to get all kinds of response to it. And when you're rejected, remember, they're not rejecting you because you're going under my authority, under Jesus' authority. So when you're out, when they reject you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus Christ, the one who sent you. And to remember that. And so, again, remember that you know, you're going to meet all kinds of different people. Some are going to accept, some are not. And so how are we to respond? Well, if they're accepting, what do we do? We stay with them, right? And, and we continue that, that, that fellowship. But if not, then what are we to do? Just shake it off, right? As the song goes, we just shake off the dust. And that was an old Jewish uh, custom, right? When they left a Gentile city, they were just to shake off the dust. They didn't want to keep anything uh, from their time in that Gentile city, even the dust on their feet, they were to shake it off. And in the same way, though, here Jesus is talking about Jewish cities, right? And if they don't accept him, just shake it off. Just shake that dust off. What's he saying? Don't take it personally. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it stop the mission that you have. Keep going because they've rejected me, not you. Keep it going. And it's the same way for us today, right? We encounter all kinds of different people when we share the gospel. Some accept, 
Some deny it. Some, you know, berate you and whatever. But remember, that's not you. They're, they're rejecting God, not you. And, you know, that's kind of freeing, right? To know that, you know, that it, it's not me who's rejected. And I, I think the important thing, at least for me, because I know I've found myself at time to time saying, no, they won't listen. There's no reason for me to even bring that up with them. No, you know, because, again, what do you have to lose? They're not going to reject you. So, anyway, something to think about. And I think that's the importance of the instructions that Jesus was bringing to them is, you know, is, is, is how to present yourself and to take yourself and depend on him, but also uh, to also realize that not everybody's going to accept what you have to bring to them. Okay, so now Jesus has prepared them, right? He's called them, he's equipped them, he's sent them, he's instructed them. What happens? So, picking up in verse 6, And they departed, and they went out through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about what was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that some of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this whom I hear such things about? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and they took him, and, with, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned, it, learned of it, they followed him, and he welcomed them, and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Okay, so what happened? Jesus prepared them, and then what happened? I think the first thing to note is uh, the disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And how do I know that? Well, I, I'm inferring this if you compare verses 2 with verses 6. What happened? They did exactly as Jesus told them. They preached the gospel or kingdom of God, exactly the same thing, and they healed the sick or the people, right? Those are exactly the same things. They, I mean, there's no mistaking here. They did what they were told to do in just the way that God told them or Jesus told them to do. Some of them didn't say, well, you know, I'm really good at teaching, so I'm not going to heal. Or others saying, I really got this healing thing down, but, you know, the teaching, I, I stutter. I'm not going to do that. No, they did what they were instructed. And even more so, they... They went everywhere. They didn't just hang close to home or they didn't just go to a city and say, you know, people are accepting us here. We're going to stay here for good. No, they went where? They went everywhere. And so the important thing is they did what they were told to do. And the cool thing is what happened? The results, they were phenomenal, right? So much so all the people were talking, right? They were talking about what was going on. There was a buzz around and how much talking did they do? Enough that the government, the very top governor guy, heard about it and was, was wondering what was going on. So things are happening. People are hearing the message. People are stirred up, right? But just as Jesus told them, right, as he instructed them, that uh, is what happened, that there were different responses to the message. And we see kind of both ends of the spectrum right here in this very story here. We see both... Uh, uh, Herod as well as, as, as the broader community and we see very different responses from both. Herod was what? He was perplexed. He was confused about what was going on and so who is this Herod guy? 
Herod Antipodus, he was the son of Herod the Great. He was the guy that killed all the babies when Jesus was born, right? This is his son, and he, same as his dad, is, is a, a governor, but he's the governor of, of uh, the northern region up around Galilee, okay? And so, as any good politician does, what does Herod do? Well, he, he gathers information, and what's he hearing about what's going on? Who is this Jesus guy and these, these people who are following him? Well, and he, he's hearing, well, you know, Jesus could be a, a, a herald of, of national repentance, just like John, or maybe actually is John being uh, raised from the dead, but basically trying to draw people back to God, the, the, the Israelites back to God. Or it could be Elijah. He used to work miracles, and it was told that Elijah would come before the Messiah, or uh, at least that's the way they interpret it in Malachi uh, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. There's also the reference to old prophets that might be raised from the dead. Again, this is from Moses, uh, his time saying, you know, before uh, the Messiah, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And so, you know, th these are all the things that people thought about in terms of who this, this Jesus was. And, you know, so, you know, uh, Herod gathered all this information. And certainly, you know, I, I imagine he's kind of scratching his head a little bit and saying, Hmm, you know, these guys, they're doing some pretty special stuff out there, and they're maybe related to kind of John, and what did I do to John? I chopped his head off, and, you know, maybe I'm a little in over my head in terms of, you know, maybe these guys are more powerful than I thought. So, you know, there's probably some anticipation and, and, and concern and trepidation on the part of, of Herod about who this Jesus and who these disciples might actually be. And so he's perplexed. He just doesn't know what to think about it. But why is he perplexed? Because his heart is hardened. He won't allow himself to really fully explore this and to understand it because he thinks he, he knows it all and he's powerful and Jesus is just this, you know, nothing. And, and, and we see this uh, just in, in the way he conducts himself. You know, it says that he sought to see him, right? He had this desire to see Jesus, right? But uh, he never acts on that, right? We don't see him ever going out of his way to try to see Jesus or invite Jesus into his palace. No, he just kind of says, you know, I'd, be, I'd really like to see this guy. In fact, uh, we also know that he killed John. And so we know kind of how he treats people that don't agree or don't uh, always approve of uh, Herod's actions. So, you know, we can tell from his heart there that, you know, he's not the kind to listen uh, to other people and other ideas. And, you know, this, this you know, this, this desire to see him, right, this infatuation was really just that. He just wanted to see this miracle worker, this magic that, that, that Jesus had, or maybe he really wanted to secretly cut his head off too because, you know, he was challenging him for popularity in, in, among the people. But uh, regardless, what we do know is that Herod eventually finally got a chance to, to meet Jesus and, in fact, uh, to uh, question him when he was uh, at, under trial before his crucifixion, as we read in Luke 23. So they, they did get together at some point. And when Jesus refused to answer him, refused to do any miracles for him, what was Herod's reaction? Well, he ridicules and mocks uh, Jesus. In fact, he even dresses him in a purple 
uh, uh, cloak and, and sends him back to Pilate. So, I mean, we can really see the condition of his heart. And when his heart is closed, he's perplexed. These things don't make any sense, just like Jesus told them. And that's the way many people that we will interact with and, and share the gospel with just won't get it. And they're just like Herod. Their hearts are closed. They can't be transformed by the gospel. But fortunately, that wasn't the case for everyone else. Not everybody was perplexed by the message. Many people accepted and heard and, and received what they heard. And how do we know this? Well, because we see the stir that it caused, right? People were talking about it. They were repeating what they had heard, so much so that even Herod heard about it. But it didn't just end there. They weren't just talking about it, but they were also uh, following. They were, the, the crowds were go, growing. They were coming to Jesus, uh, so much so that Jesus needed to pull back and, 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 and to move away from the crowds for a moment because they were pressing in on him. But even when he does that, what happens? The people continue to follow. Multitudes, it says, followed him all the way around the lake to catch up with Jesus and again to be there with him because they heard the message and they accepted the message. And so it is with us, right? We, we get this mixed response anytime we, we, we share the gospel and, and, and we should be expecting of that. And I think we've probably all had different experiences. Those who are jaded by religion, you know, push back on us. Others, though, and, and when they do accept, it, it, it's all worth it, right? When you get that accepting heart. But what's also cool here is, you know, the, the impact, the results of going out and preaching the word and, 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 and healing the sick, it it did have a big impact on the crowds, on the people, right, or on many of them. But we also see it also impacted the disciples themselves, right? What's cool is look at verse 1, how are they referred to? Here in, in this translation, the 12. is uh, In other translations, it's the disciples. But how are they referred to in verse 10? They're apostles now. They've been transformed. They've been changed. They've gone from just learners which is disciples, to uh, apostles, which uh, means they're sent, right, with authority and a message. They've been transformed. They've been changed by being, interacting with Jesus, by his equipping of them, and then just by the very act of stepping out on faith and carrying that gospel, they've been changed by that. And, you know, it, it's no different for us today, right? In fact, our little motto, I guess, I don't know what you call it in, 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 for our church is what? Bring change, be changed, right? Because anytime we're brought in contact with Jesus Christ, we can't help but be changed. Anytime he equips us, he's changing us, right? Anytime he calls us to do something and to see him working through us, through other people, to make a difference in others' lives, how can we not be changed? So we, too, just like the disciples, are being changed. All right, so we've been through, uh, you know, we've kind of looked at the commissioning. We've looked at what happened, but I, I couldn't stop right there. I think, you know, now after seeing all this, we have to turn our eyes back to the very source, to Jesus Christ himself. And, you know, certainly, you know, the main theme of, of, of this bit of Scripture is about 
the commissioning, the, you know, Christ calling his disciples out to go and take the word out and doing it in word and deed, meeting both the physical and spiritual needs and the impact that has and, you know, the calling and, uh, you know, the, the equipping and sending and instructing. That's what this, this particular scripture is about. However, um, it is embedded within a much bigger theme, right, within Luke. And all of us the last several weeks that have been preaching have talked about this. It's this overall uh, theme of who is this man? Who is this Jesus? He's not just like any other man, but he is, uh, you know, he is deity. And we've seen that in so many different ways that have, have revealed different aspects of Jesus and who he was as a, as a man on earth, seeing that, you know, he was healing people of all kinds of different maladies, even to the extent where, you know, he didn't even have to be present to heal the centurion's son. We also see him raising the dead, forgiving sins, calming the storms, driving out demons. We see all of these different things. Who is this man? And now uh, we see a different dimension of him. And just as the centurion... Uh, several chapters back, you might remember him, him saying, I recognize you, Jesus, as being a man under great authority as I am. And indeed, Jesus is a man under great authority, the authority of God, right? But now we see this man being a man of authority himself and being able to transfer, to delegate that authority to others through uh, giving power and authority to others to do his work. And so we see how that authority he is able to be able to bestow that on others. And again, who is this man? There's something really special about him. <clears throat> the other thing to notice about the source of all this, right, is that, you know, while Jesus authorized this, this power and, and, and this preaching on his behalf, what was the overall result? And the result was glory for who? The apostles or disciples? No. The glory was focused back on Jesus. Who did the people follow? They crowded to Jesus. They didn't follow after the apostles or disciples. They followed after Jesus. The multitudes went all the way around the lake to get to Jesus. And what happened when they got there? Jesus uh, recognized them. He accepted them and, and gladly accepted them. The one with the true teaching, the true word of God, the real healing, the people were drawn to him, and that's the way it should be any time that we direct people back to the, the true source, Jesus Christ himself. The other cool thing uh, to note here is that, uh, you know, of, of, of the source of Jesus is, you know, we see Jesus' heart for everybody, right, in sending his disciples out and spread the word and to heal and to make a difference in that way. But Jesus' concern didn't just end there, right? Jesus also had concern for his disciples. And we see that when, you know, here they come back, uh, you know, and they're all excited and they have to tell Jesus about what had happened and explain all their stories. And uh, actually, Mike helped me see this uh, just after first service, but Jesus knew all this, yet he knew how excited they were and he just, he wanted to hear their stories. He wanted to hear from them exactly what had happened, even though he knew exactly what had happened. But even so, he also recognized as, as they were 
telling everything and how excited they were. He could tell how tired and run down and, you know, they're just running on this amazing adrenaline. And so what did he do? He pulled, he took them and they pulled away and got away from the crowds for just a respite so they could recharge and reinvigorate and get connected back, you know, to the source, right? And so Jesus had this concern for them. And in the same way, he calls us to those periods of rest, right? He calls us to work. He calls us to do things. And then at times, he calls us back to rest and to spend that time getting reconnected, re-energized with him. And, uh, you know, perfect example, and I'm just so thankful that Frank is taking this uh, time in the sabbatical to take that time and to regenerate, refocus himself and get reconnected uh, to the gospel all over again. And we all need some of that sometimes. And so just as we step back and really appreciate the source, right, the man, the Jesus, the victory that we have in Jesus, the, the hope that we have only in him, all that he's done, all the love that he's shown us, um, how can we not want to share that with others? And in fact, you know, Jesus basically says the same thing. And in fact, he commissions all of us. I mean, when we know him, we have to share. And he commissions us all the same here in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Does that sound familiar? This commission is not much different than what he commissioned the disciples originally with. And this commission is for all of us. We are called, right? We are called to do this by Jesus Christ, as we see here. We are equipped, right? All authority has been given to Jesus Christ, and we are under his authority. He will equip us. We are sent, where? To all the nations. That includes across the fence to our neighbors and across the ocean to the lost nations. And he instructs us right here. What are we to do? Baptize and to teach. And then finally, the, 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 the cherry on, on, on the cake, right, is he adds something a little more, the promise. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. So this morning, I, I hope uh, this uh, lesson has reminded you a little bit of uh, that, that we are all called to share, whether it's right here with your neighbors or cross-culturally, we're all called to share the gospel. And Jesus equips us, he, he instructs us, he's prepared us for this time. He wants us to go from followers to to doers, to, to share our faith, to put our faith into action. And he has a plan. He is prepared. He has created us just for that plan. And so I'm hoping that a few of you at least are saying, you know, this cross-cultural missions work, I, I think that's something I'm really called to. And really, we need your help. I want to just put in a final plug. Please consider showing up on Wednesday night. Again, no pressure but just learn a little bit more about what we're doing and maybe how you could fit in if God's calling you to that. So, if you would stand and I will dismiss this in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for all that you've done for us, all that you are, Lord. Uh, Lord, for the victory that you've won for us, 
Lord, uh, we praise you, and, and we are just so humbled by you, Lord. And, Lord, help keep that front and foremost, Lord, as, as Lord, that we can't do anything but share this with others, Lord. And, Lord, help us to remember that you have called us to share what you have given us, Lord, this, this, this great gift that we have. Help us to share that, Lord, and uh, we just pray that you would be with us. Help us to be effective, Lord. Help us to see your equipping and your calling, and Lord, uh, just give us the courage. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your word, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.